welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Mary Tyndall. Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, actually. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Well, thanks for being here. You and I have known each other for a long time, and we recently reconnected because you were the victim of a class that I taught, a social media yes. professional certificate class. Has there been anything from that class that you were able to use, and it's okay to say no? Um, no, absolutely. I think it's uh, with social media... I only know a little bit about it, but it seems to always be changing. And so I really appreciated getting an update about sort of the new trends and the ways advertising and all the algorithms are working. Um, and we learned a little bit about LinkedIn as well, yeah. which I know you're really an expert on that. And I appreciated learning a little bit more about that and how to use that better. And I have found myself using that a little bit more. It does seem to be a place where there are fewer political yes, thankfully. Uh, arguments yes. and those kind of things. You'll still find them if you go You'll looking see, for yeah, them. Right. Yeah, right. And I try to ignore them as best I can. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I have enjoyed that a little bit more. And I enjoyed learning from the other people in the class, too. Yeah, there yeah. are some people with a lot of experience in It that was class. a really good group, and it yeah. usually is pretty diverse. That's actually how podcast Nick and I met was that he was awesome. in that class, too. So Great. Everyone, everyone in this room has been part of that. And you and I also have Homestead High School in common. I'm surprised we didn't run into each other more when our when our yeah, kids were right. there at it's the same time. It's such a big place. It really is. I mean, I went there um, <clears throat> very long time ago. <laughs> Won't say when, but no, a long time ago in there. And it was about 1,000 students. And yeah. so, as you know, it's more than double that now. So it's yeah. just really, it's a different place. But my kids had, had great experience there. Either one, was either one in band? They were not. They were okay. soccer people. All right. I'm so, a soccer mom at heart. Okay. I was out on the band island, there which is go. a pretty big island. But if your kid is in band, you kind of have this group of people you see all the time and you don't see anyone yeah, else. Cause, I know. Yeah. But we love the band field because it's turf. And oh, the soccer kids would nice. go over there and try right. to get on the turf a lot. So, yeah. And all we right. appreciate the band parents. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump into things after your time at Homestead High School by talking about your career path. Okay. And then a little bit later, we'll talk about the St. Joseph Community Health Foundation for whom you work. Great. And then we'll talk about some of the things you're working on. So let's start with career path. You grew up in Fort Wayne. You go to home. I assume you grew up in Fort Wayne. I did. Moved here when I was four. And guess what? My dad was basketball coach at Indiana Tech. That's Look why that. we came here. And I know okay. you work with them. And All right. so I've been here. What's your dad's name? Uh, David McCracken. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the McCracken name, there's obviously another His relative. His father was the coach at IU. Yes. But you have to be a little bit older to remember that. Well, but yes. I, I know there are people listening to this who would yeah. appreciate that, that reference. Yes. Yeah. Mac and the Hurry and Hoosiers. So All right. That's my claim to fame. Okay. So you grow up in Fort Wayne at least since the age of four. You go to Homestead. When do you start thinking about career path and w what do you do with that? I did that early because, um, again, this is going to date me, but Jane Pauley was my mm -hmm. hero. Yep. And she was, I believe she was doing weather in Indianapolis at the time. And then she moved on, you know, mm -hmm. and did all her great work. And we still can see her on uh, CBS Sunday morning mm -hmm. now. And so I thought, I want to be Jane Pauley. Mm -hmm. um, little did I know <laughs> that was a lot more difficult to do than, yeah. than you might think. But I, I trended toward the communication classes and the speech classes. And I really um, I worked at the radio station when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And so uh, pretty early on, I thought I would like to be a journalist mm -hmm. because I like to write and I like to tell stories. Yep. And so that was important to me. So I would say sometime in middle school, I started thinking about that. OK, so mm -hmm. what do you do with that then once you get into college? Right. So I went to DePaul University, mm -hmm. small university in Greencastle, Indiana. Why did I go there? Because my father went there and uh -huh. my sisters went there. Okay. <laughs> and it was a great place. Yeah. I, had, I had a great time. Uh, they had, 
I still am in touch with my journalism professor mm -hmm. from down there. Yeah. Uh, just a wonderful man. And it's a, such a small place. You could easily just hop on the on the radio station, WGRE, and, uh, you know, do the news. Yeah. And, you know, I was every different, you know, position in the college radio station and really enjoyed that. Yeah. So then you, we also had a lot of opportunity for internships, which were completely invaluable. I never got paid for any of them, of mm -hmm. course, in mm -hmm. communication, yeah. Yeah. The, the angst of all communication. So when you students. say invaluable, also, yeah. yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I did a lot of internships at WPTA and at Wayne here mm -hmm. and one at WTHR down in Indianapolis. And that really helped me get a resume that was worthwhile and helped me get my first job in television journalism out in Lawrence, Kansas. Go Jayhawks. Okay. Did you have any connection to that part of the world or just landed there without knowing very, very many people? Alumni. Alumni. You know, okay. So there had been um, DePaul alumni that yep. had gone into journalism in yeah. various places, and she helped me make a connection there. Okay. So it's great. So how long are you there? And why do you decide to move on to something different? Well, I learned I really liked being with my family, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, fair and enough. So, yeah. So I did have some great friends there. And Lawrence is such a fun town. Mm -hmm. But I really did want to be closer to home. Mm -hmm. And I had done some internships at Wayne. And there was another uh, college classmate at Wayne. And so I got a job back here okay. and worked there for about it was really only about three years. All right. Um, and then that thing called a boyfriend and marriage uh -huh. called to me. And we went to Chicago for a little bit. So. OK. But, All right. So did it at that point, did you get out of of journalism. I did. Okay. And how was that for you? Was that difficult or were you ready to try something different? There are some days that I still miss it. Mm -hmm. I love the pace of it. I love the writing and the concise, that challenge of writing something yeah. really concise and short that people can get mm -hmm. um, right away. So I miss that. I do not miss... Um, Apologies to all my friends in news, but the sensationalism that can come with mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and the inability to tell a a, a, a full story, yeah. you know, provide the full picture. And I think we're missing a lot of that these days in our conversations. Um, so I did not miss that at all, but it was absolutely the best background for me to go into communication. Yeah. I learned so much more in journalism than I did really in, in school in a different way. You know, you have to go cover government meetings. You have to cover your school board meetings. You got to go to accidents and shootings and all kinds of terrible things and the courtroom. And just I just learned a lot about mm -hmm. the way the world works. And uh, my world expanded in good ways and bad ways. I saw, you know, I've been I lived in a pretty nice little bubble for a yeah. while. Yeah. And then you get into journalism and you think, oh, yeah. It's rough out there. For sure. So, yeah. For sure. Well, in the deadlines, Lou Cuccinelli, who was our previous <laughs> guest, who I know you know, yeah. we were talking about the fact that if you can kind of make it in the deadline-driven world that is TV news, you can make it anywhere deadlines-wise. It really has helped. It has definitely helped. And I think it's it's – I had no idea what social media was, yeah. you know, back in 1993. Yeah. But writing those really concise headlines and stories and sticking with the pictures that really matter, whether it's video or still – that is still extremely applicable today. Yeah, so yeah, really, sure. really good skills to know. Yeah. So a lot of things we learned as as English majors don't serve us well anymore in terms of writing. Some of them do, some don't. Yeah. But at least, you know, we adapt it. Right. So you're in Chicago. What are you doing there and what do you do next? I got married and my husband was working there. Yep. Um, and I was having a really good time because Chicago is fun mm -hmm. for young people. Yeah. And I worked at a public relations agency. Mm -hmm. And that was a great learning experience, too. First, I learned I really didn't like it all that mm -hmm. well. We were doing a lot of restaurant um, public relations yep. and there was a lot of cold calling, yeah. you know, with media. Because back in those days, public relations was really just 
news media. Yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. how many how many hits can pitch you get? Stories. Yeah, yeah, you just pitch the stories to people mm-hmm. you don't know. So that was that was a little bit like cold calling, but I learned a lot from yeah, it and how sure. you how you write a strategic plan and yep. you know pitch things. So so that was good. Came back then and uh, started working for Mayor Paul Helmke mm-hmm. in the Public Information Office and just had another fabulous experience learning so much about how local government and um, just a local city works yeah. and really became fascinating to me. What are some of the great things about that job? What are some of the challenges in that job? I'm really glad I had that particular job a little bit before social media hit. Yeah, for sure. Because I really feel for the social media um, managers, well, everywhere, well, honestly. Know, do, but You know John Phelps. Correct? I love John yeah, Phelps. John He's is the best. awesome. He's been on the podcast. He just guest presented oh, um, nice. for the class that you took took part in. And John is one of the most optimistic people I know. And I think you have to be in order to do that job. There has to be some sort of a switch you can turn off. And I think he's hopefully learned how to do Mm -hmm. that because Mm -hmm. he is just the most positive person. I just, I really, really uh, like John a lot. So, but in that first stint with Mayor Paul Helmke, um, I was probably uh, pretty darn naive. I was Mm -hmm. pretty young, but um, I really felt like we were trying to make a difference and Mm -hmm. make the city better. And that just really felt positive. And I did have a lot of respect from my boss. He was exceptionally good to work for and Mm -hmm. listened to me, even though I was in my early 30s. And so that was um, really great. I did not have children at that time. And so having children... Um, and trying to balance my life a little yeah. bit more. I had, I started, I, I had my first child the last year I worked um, mm-hmm. for city government that time around. And um, so that made it hard, that work-life balance, uh, that, that can be tricky to do with that kind of job. Yeah, for sure. And working at a time when political party means a lot less, still means something, but yes. you have someone in former Mayor Helmke who had the support, wide, broad-based he support did. in the community. He did. Yeah. And you really only had to worry about the newspaper and TV headlines. Yeah. You were not having to worry about just all the time being bombarded by um, attacks or, you know, all kinds mm-hmm. of things on social media or blogs or those kind of things. It was a simpler time. Yeah, for sure. So your next career move, does that come as a result of the Helmkey administration ending or do you make a move on your right. own? Right. I left with him. Yep. I was in the mayor's office, said I'm sticking it out to the end and yeah. we did and, and never regret that at all. Um, did a little bit of contract work and some different things. And then, doggone it, I moved again with my husband. <laughs> Can you believe it? But you know what? He's not in communication, so he makes more money than I do. <laughs> that, that's some advice for people, for students out there, I guess, yeah. right? If you expect to make a lot, don't go into journalism. Or marry someone who didn't. Yeah. That, there you go, yeah. which was really good. He's a, yeah. he's a math guy, and he fixes computers. He's wonderful. So um, we, we had two children by then, and we moved to Battle Creek, Michigan. Okay. And I got—it was actually a part-time job with United Way of Greater Battle Creek— mm-hmm. And learned a lot about the not-for-profit sector and marketing and communications there. It was a great opportunity. Had a great boss there and, and really enjoyed it. So then you come back to Allen County working for the United oh Way. Gosh, I've hopped around a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> buckle up, everybody. We're yeah, not sorry done. about yeah. this. <laughs> so you're at United Way locally. Battle yes. Creek is not far away. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. But yeah. still further than you wanted to be from home, or why? Oh, why do you come sure. back? Oh, for sure. You know, I am just really close to my family. Yeah. I just um, 
uh, yeah, love them to pieces. And um, my mom was still alive at the time and sure. wanted her to be in touch with her grandchildren. And, yeah, and, um, yeah this is home. Yeah. So we came back and I had enjoyed United Way so much in Battle Creek that I went to work for Jerry Peterson, who was at United Way at the time. Yep. And again, enjoyed that and the not-for-profit um, kind of marketing and communication that you do with that, learned more with that. And then I hopped back over to the city. Yep. How can that be? Um, I went to work for John Urbantz, uh-huh. who is now the CEO at Greater Fort Wayne. Yep. And I had known him previously, and he is fantastic. I, yep. I wanted to go work for him. He's a great sure. guy. Um, so what role were you in? I was as a public around. information officer. Okay, so it's PIO uh, officer. PIO. Yep. I was... The first time around with Paul Helmke, I was the public information director in the mayor's office. This this last time around, I was in the community development division, so I did not report directly to the mayor. Okay. A little less pressure, honestly, yeah, sure. and nice. And I reported to the division head in community development, which is planning, code enforcement, uh, redevelopment, economic development, those kind of areas. Okay. So. All right. And you're there for how eight, long? About eight years, I okay. think. Okay. And then you make the move to the place where you are now. Yeah. Which is St. Joe Foundation. Finally, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired just hearing it. I know. Yeah. So, and you've been there. You you set me straight because when you first walked in, I thought you'd been there a year, but it's a little under a year. You started in January. So, so tell us what that organization does. I've had the pleasure of knowing Meg Disler on and off for a number of years and have a vague understanding of what the organization does. I know it yeah. does good stuff. but it's a little can, bit quiet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. Fill our listeners in on more than good stuff. What does the organization yeah. do? What's its mission? And what's your role? Yeah, great. Um, so the St. Joseph Community Health Foundation was formed when um, – an order of sisters, a religious order of sisters, Catholic sisters, um, sold St. Joseph Hospital, mm-hmm. and they took part of the proceeds from the sale of the hospital and put it into this private foundation and mm-hmm. said, we want to continue the good work in Fort Wayne here okay. and make sure that um, a good deal of the money that came from St. Joe Hospital is now going to yep. go help people in the community. And um, just so people know, the uh, the religious order is um, based in Donaldson in Plymouth, and they are the poor handmaids of Jesus Christ. And that's really where our mission comes from. Their whole mission is about they, were, they came to the United States in 1868, and it's really about working with people who are on the margins, the people mm-hmm. who we really don't see very often, mm-hmm. right? The, the people we pass by on the street, and they don't have enough to eat, or they don't have a place to stay, or whatever other challenges life throws out them. Sure. And so... It's it's really quite lovely because the sisters, um, they don't really put a lot of other parameters around it. It's just mm-hmm. like help people, mm-hmm. help people, love yeah. people, see their dignity and see their humanity, see every single human being as a person mm-hmm. um, that is deserving of dignity and humanity. And that's a hard thing not to be attracted and oh, want sure. to work for. You yeah. know? So that's. That um, obviously drew me there. We have the board and Meg Disler, who's wonderful. She's the only executive director the the uh, foundation has ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are four areas that we give grants in. So um, that's primarily what the foundation is doing is working with not-for-profits and providing grants, um, prenatal and infant care, mm-hmm. access to health care and wellness. So big supporter of places like Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. Um 
immigrant and refugee care. And a lot of that comes from the sisters when they came from Germany. They, well, they were immigrants themselves. But one of the reasons they were brought here was to care for all the immigrants here. So they have a real heart for people who are other you know, mm-hmm. they, they're not immediately fitting in. Sure. So immigrants and refugees. And then the area that I am specifically working in is nutrition and food security and how that attracts or how that affects wellness. So okay. how, the diet that you eat affects, you know, your heart rate, your yep. blood pressure, your possible diabetes, all sure. those kind of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so how does that give us some examples of some of the things you work on that um, are in that lane and that affect the community in a positive way? I'm so lucky. Oh, my gosh. Everything. I'm yeah. so lucky. Um, and that has been really I, I really had a lot of experiences just today to kind of cement that in my mind. We had a couple board presentations and we were talking about the work that we were doing and the board itself. They're not thinking about who's going to be the president, and what party's in charge and this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, and they're just they just want to help people. Mm-hmm. And um, I also got to visit. We run a program called Our Healing Kitchen. And those are basically cooking and nutrition classes. Yep. That was really um, the brainchild of Parkview Health and an, a previous employee um, at St. Joe, Laura Dwyer. Um, but we give these grants so that, um, people go out and teach these cooking classes and teach about nutrition. So I went over to uh, Tyler Ter- Terrace, which is a, a Bright Point property, and there were just a variety of people there, and they were so happy to be learning about nutrition and cooking, and they had a variety of different challenges in their lives, yeah. these individuals. But they said, one of them in particular, she was in a wheelchair, and um, she said, I'm just so happy to be here. It's it's not really all about food. It's about friends. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it is about friends, yeah. you know, and that opportunity for her to hopefully improve her life and to feel uh, like she's connected. Yeah. So what are some of the big issues in Fort Wayne? You know, the thing that comes to my mind first, and, and this will probably immediately reveal how ignorant I am on the issue, is food deserts and the fact that there are folks yeah. who live in areas where all they have ready access to is food that's not so healthy for you. Right. Do we have that problem locally or are there other problems that stand in the way of, of people living healthier lives? Well, we have so many problems. And I do think our issues are very reflective of national issues. I'm definitely not an expert, but I have for the last seven months or so really been immersed kind of in this. So it's fascinating to me. And uh, some of the food desert areas are, are places where you would think like Southeast Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Others are really around PFW. Mm-hmm. There's really not, uh, mm-hmm. if you are a student and you need to walk someplace, there's no place to go. Mm-hmm. And another of those issues is really what then is available instead. And a lot of times it's the corner gas station. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's really affordable to go buy the chocolate donuts, which Mm -hmm. taste fantastic. But we all know it's not (laughs) Or the hot dog that's been on the roller. Yeah, forever and ever. But dang, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. So if that's all you know or if that's all you're able to really get to regularly and you have a limited – let a limited amount of money to buy mm-hmm. those, it makes it challenging. Yeah. The other part of it is there's, I'm just getting ready for a presentation again to the board, that there's there's a certain amount that food stamps or what's called SNAP now will cover. There's a huge area of individuals who still aren't making enough money. They're not, they don't qualify for SNAP, but they still are food insecure. And a lot of that comes, well, let's see, I really need to pay my rent mm-hmm. or my mortgage 
So I'm going to put every dollar into that, and then I don't have enough for food. Mm -hmm. So we have all those different challenges, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So your role is in part telling the story of of the organization and making sure that people know you exist so they can get help or give help to their end beneficiaries. How are you doing that? What tools are you using? What's most effective for you? And and feel free to say, I'm still new. I don't know yet. Well, but tell me what you can tell that's me. That's part of it. I think I've been... Um, I haven't been able to do as much as I would like to. I am um, a lot of my position right now is implementing a federal million dollar grant mm -hmm. that the foundation got. Um, and it has to do with implementing the double up program. Okay. So what we're doing is if you have your food stamps and you go into a grocery store and you buy $10 worth of carrot and apples and celery, then you get half off. It's only going to cost you five dollars oh, wow. with this double up. So the the remaining amount of that um, gets paid to the grocery store okay. through the Department of Agriculture and the grant that we have. Okay. So we're really encouraging people to to stretch their food stamps and their SNAP dollars, but also to choose those really highly nutritious foods. Mm -hmm. So that's been a large part of what I've been trying to do. And part of that is getting into different um, retail or farm yeah. market venues. Um, so I haven't had quite as much time to do the communication as I would like to, but I'm, I'm definitely going to need to ramp up this double up marketing and communication. Um, and I, it's a it's a different sort of, you know, it's not paid advertising all the time, although now it's all mixed up. Mm -hmm. Advertising and public relations, it's all. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. One and the same these days. But um, so I'll be needing to do a lot more of that. I just boosted a couple posts on Facebook about mm -hmm. Double Up and, you know, did the geographic areas around the stores where um, where people can use Double Up. How does it work? Those kinds of things. Working on the website for Double Up, um, newsletters and material. One of the advantages is we're partnering with a national company that has a lot of this branding. I would have liked to give you all some business here. That would have been great. But, <laughs> but we didn't have to because yeah. we had the whole package sure. sort of um, yeah. just handed to us. Sure. They've tested the messaging. Yeah. They've tested the brand. So it makes it pretty easy from that standpoint. So, so here's a big question. You know, this is a, this is a national issue. It obviously... Yes. affects Fort Wayne in a, in a significant way. How do you how do you change the story about the way people think about nutrition and food because you have all these competing messages. Yes. And you know, we're still you know, in our DNA, we think we're hunter gatherers that yes. we have to consume all the calories we can in order to survive when we really don't need to do that <laughs> right. when we sit on our butts most of the day. How do you change that? I know that's a big question, mm. but but what type of work is your organization doing? What do you think about when you think about that problem and, and how do you solve it? Super incredibly hard. And then add in onto that, if you're working with people of um, who have some barriers or have lower income, then there's even more challenges. They don't have time to think about that if they're going to two yeah, jobs. Sure, you sure. know, And they don't have time to go to the least expensive grocery store that has, still has good produce yeah. and get that. And it, so it's extra challenging for people who have a lot more stress on their lives. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe I'm old fashioned, but a lot of it goes back to relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we're still learning that through this pandemic, that relationships is where a lot of it's at. And so these these healing kitchen classes, mm -hmm. you develop a relationship with most often it's somebody in a nonprofit, say, that mm -hmm. you have worked with before and you trust. And then you have the other participants with you who have been clients or live in the neighborhood and you develop the relationships and you talk about how you're going to try to eat healthier. And 
and, and you know, you can't always do it. And we and we say that too with being real reasonable. Yeah, sometimes we we get the donuts out of the out of the convenience store. You know, we don't want to do that very often. But so I think it comes down a lot to relationships and having somebody that people trust. Yeah. That they can say, yeah, this is how you live your life. Hopefully the big the big advertising, the big marketing gets them drawn in, mm-hmm. gets them to learn more. And then it really takes that one-to-one or a group, I think, to make a true lifestyle change. Yeah, I think you're onto something. I, I, you know, I, I'm not even in the ballpark as you in terms of expertise on it. But I would think that the community piece is huge. And some of it is breaking familial cycles of poor nutrition absolutely and and getting different messaging in front of people and and the trust thing as you mentioned i think is huge and dealing with some cultural things too right so um i was the same age as a couple people in this kitchen class i went to today (laughs) we were talking about how our moms were obsessed with jello you know that was like the thing and so sometimes you have to find either the cultural or the age things that people are dealing with and the foods that they're used to eating yeah. and adapt to that. So. Yeah, my, my mom's famous one was that she didn't want me to drink Coke. She wanted me to drink Sprite because it was healthy because it had lemons and limes in there it. There you go. And those were real lemons and limes. <laughs> so marketing works. People. It does. Yes. I know. We really, boy, children yeah. of the 70s and 80s, we had some oh, interesting boy. meals, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. The food for astronauts. The- yeah. Exactly. Was, yeah. Hamburger helper. Oh, man. So um, so what else are you working on? What other big projects are taking up your time, your your energy, keeping you up at night, making you excited, maybe a combination of all those things? So I'm going to do a little plug for some of my volunteer work mm-hmm. if I can. Yeah, and the 2021 Diversity Awards are back this year. Okay. They went away um, with the pandemic, but they're back October 22nd okay. at Ivy Tech. Okay. Free. All right. Totally so tell us more about free. this. What is what is this event? I, it's fantastic. So it is to honor the contributions and accomplishments of immigrants and refugees in our community. Okay. And I'm a board member for Armani Family Services, yep. which if you know about them, they work with immigrants and refugees. Yep. And it also really fits in nicely with our work at St. Joe as well, because we do a lot of work uh, supporting immigrants and refugees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes there's negativity around people who are different or speak different languages with different backgrounds. And we would like to really shine a spotlight on look at the amazing contributions that immigrants and refugees make in our community by adding to the workforce, by paying taxes, the food, the culture, the dancing, you know, so many wonderful things. And and Amani does a a welcome event that is built around food, correct? They did. They just, um, that was part of, thanks for paying attention to the social media. Um, That was just part of welcoming Fort Wayne, which is sort of a community-wide. The Y does a lot of things with it as well. And they just worked on supporting the immigrant-owned restaurants, which okay. is something we all love. And it's a great entree to learn about different cultures. Yeah. Um, so they do that. And then this really has in the past been part of Welcoming Week. We just got started a little bit late this year. So sure. we moved it to October 22nd. Um, anybody who wants to go should go to welcomingfw.org. Okay. And it's welcomingfw.org. free. Welcomingingfw.org. Correct. Okay. Yep. And it's free and it will be a brief program just honoring we're still taking nominations for people who want to uh, nominate an immigrant or refugee or somebody who has supported them so I'm really excited about that well and and I hear sometimes people 
voicing skepticism, you know, well, Fort Wayne doesn't have that many immigrants, which isn't true. What are some of the more populous populations of immigrants that we have in the city? Well, I think most people know that we have a lot of Burmese residents Mm -hmm. here, and I've been getting to know a little bit more about their culture, which is really fantastic and incredibly resilient people um, with a lot of farming backgrounds. So I've actually been working on some farm markets with Mm them. Um, They like soccer, too. What do you know? My soccer mom Rolf (laughs) comes in. No, that's probably overgeneralizing. But um, a a lot of uh, kids uh, from Burma enjoy soccer. So that's really fun. you do have to find those common touch points, Which is fantastic. You know, sports, food, music, dance, those are all the things we can connect about. And we all – and that's why I really love working on this event because – it just exposes me to people. I think on our committee, you know, we have people from Peru, from Poland. Uh, let's see, Mexico for sure. Um, a, a lot of different countries yeah. and backgrounds. And I just, life is so much more fun when oh, yeah. you get to learn from people like that. So for sure. For I, sure. I hope other people take a chance to do that. All right. So you're working on that event. What else is on your plate? Oh, my gosh. It's making me busy. I'm an empty nester now. <laughs> well, that's... That... I don't... Then you have all kinds of time. You can save the world now. I know. I don't really like it. But um, (laughs) yes, uh, let's see. What else is on my plate? Just the general work at St. Joe, working on newsletters and trying to amp up some more storytelling. Um, We do have Father Greg Boyle coming in on October 8th, too. And that's another free event. He's a Jesuit priest. And his whole he is if you get a chance to pick up his book, it's it's amazing. He works with. uh, former gang members in Los Angeles and runs one of the largest um, rehabilitation programs really in the world. It's called Homeboy Industries. Okay. His stories are, you talk about a good storyteller, you should really hear him tell stories. You're crying because he's telling these horrible stories about these poor people who have been abused and why they chose to go into the gang life because they had such a hard life. And then the next minute, you're just laughing hysterically. And um, so that's been really fun, too. So October 8th, where will that event take place? That is over at what I still remember as the Scottish Rite. That is um, the St. Francis um, Performing Arts Center. And St. Francis is co-sponsoring the event with the St. Joe Foundation. It's free. It's at 1 o'clock. We still have a few seats left. We're trying to social distance some. Um, We have almost 600 people already signed up. Oh, wow. I know. And if people want to find out more about that event, where do they go? They should go to sjchf.org, which is St. Joe Community Health Foundation.org. (laughs) Not the easiest, but. Okay, excellent. Um, So that's plenty. You have your full-time job. You have volunteer stuff. You have events. I'm not doing this all by myself, just so you know. (laughs) I'm doing little tiny pieces of all of it. Yeah, well, so let's let's shift to the speed round of the show. Oh, okay. So, Mary, you have two boys, is that correct? I do. Okay. And if you were talking to them, and you probably are a little bit, maybe Hi, they don't maybe subtly talk a lot, but yeah, about career stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're talking to others about success in a career, what do you think is most important? What have you learned that you want to pass along? Not just about careers and communication, but all kinds of careers that you think people should know that they should pay attention to if they want to be successful or fulfilled in their own career. You know, my dad always said, and I think it's still, I think it still holds true. You spend more time going into the office or a job than almost anything else. So you better darn well like it, Mm -hmm. you know, and no amount of money is worth it if you're miserable. And I honestly still to this day believe that. Um, 
So I think that's that's one of the most things you and if you don't like it, change. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we're in a world where you don't have to work for 40 years at the same company. Yep. You're not going to get penalized mm-hmm. for that anymore. Change if you want to. And also look for the good people. Um, a lot of my jobs that I've enjoyed the most may not even because been because of the subject or topics. It was because I had a fantastic yeah. boss or a great team around me yeah. you know, that was positive and, and looking to do some good, whether you're making widgets and adding things up or, I mean, my husband's not in the not-for-profit world. He's in the for-profit world, always has been fixing computers. But dang, that's an honorable job too. You yeah. got to fix those computers and help people. And, you know, if you, any job, you find the meaning in that, I think, is where, where for me, at least, it's always been. Yeah, for sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of that comes from people. I, I've read it before that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. But I think they I think really, really quit true. people. They quit people. When they, right. when they don't feel affinity for the folks they're working with yeah. or, you know, just aren't having enough you know, fulfillment in their job. And it takes time. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the problem to change a culture or turn things around or or help the person that you think is being standoffish in the office, yeah. but really has a lot more talents that they could offer. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I completely agree. People quit teams or cultures or yep. that kind well, of Well, great advice. Enjoy what you do. And if not, go do something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Second question. <laughs> um, the St. Joe Community Health Foundation is a quiet organization that does really important work. I'm sure you have had this opportunity many times over the past nine months, but when someone says, what does your organization do and you want to present that succinctly, what do you say? You know, I thought about that before I came here and I forgot to write it down. I thought, oh no, where's my elevator speech? So now I should have had it written down. Um, I really do try to emphasize that we're a private, not-for-profit foundation that invests in um, other community organizations that um, work with people in the margins. Mm-hmm. And we like to say people in the margins um, because that can be a variety of different kinds of people, either low income or facing all kinds of barriers and challenges to living a good life. So I do also kind of like to throw in there about the poor handmaids of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. because their their values and their mission is really what drives us. And is that what makes the organization different? Because I think I'm going to I'm going to give you a challenge question. The people in Fort Wayne say, oh, there's all these organizations that are doing the same thing. What is the particular lane that you fill and and how do you differentiate from some of those other organizations? Absolutely. And I would say that just coming to the foundation, I know that my boss, Meg Disler, has done an incredible job of working with the other foundations Mm -hmm. and grant-making agencies in the community. So they all really coordinate really quite well to make sure that we're not overlapping too much. Are you doing a lot of food assistance? Okay, we don't need to do that. Who's, Who's not doing immigrant and refugee work. Well, you're not, so we need to, to pick that up. So I do think there's a good deal of collaboration. Um, some of the other, we're a smaller, we're not a, a, a very a huge, mm-hmm. you know, not like the Kellogg or the yeah. Ford Foundation or anything like that. We have five employees yep. and we can be more grassroots in nature. And that's okay. how I like to look at it. And we actually have an initiative coming up where we're going to try to work with individual champions, um, that live in uh, communities um, communities with lower incomes usually and try to find grassroots organizations to invest in and grow them um, and listen to people instead of tell people, mm-hmm. you know, not tell people, hey, you need a grocery store here. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they don't want a grocery store yeah, there. Sure. So that's how I look at us as grassroots. And, and I hope 
doing a good job of listening. Okay. And, and I may have missed this. You may have said it, but what's the geographic area that the foundation serves? It is Allen County. Yeah. Um, there would be some exceptions to that, but for the most part, it's Allen County. Okay. So, so when I was making a yeah, circle with that was my North hands, Indiana, right? I should have made a rectangle. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Exactly. All right. Great. Okay. Last question. You changed jobs mid-pandemic. And you were yeah, you and you were working for a public entity at the start of the pandemic, and yep. now you're working for a small private organization. Throughout all that, mm. you know, I keep saying, "Well, we're almost out of the pandemic." Well, who knows yeah. where we stay with the pandemic? Right. But what have you learned throughout the past oh eighteen or so months that you didn't know before that you think will stick with you moving forward, and you think is worth talking about? lessons, you know, things that um, that shape the way you work or think? I mean, I feel like everybody says this, but it's so true for me. And that is just how important that face-to-face and the relationships really are. And I think our perhaps up until the pandemic, we had been moving more toward do everything online, do it all on social media, send a newsletter, do it electronically, be efficient, um, don't ever travel and go to a conference or have face-to-face. And I think, I don't think we're going to stop doing those things. There are a lot of efficiencies there, but I do think we're pulling back. Um, Yesterday, I got to go to the local food forum um, organized by the Northeast Indiana Regional Food Partnership. Uh, I hope I got that right. You have um, a lot of acronyms to remember in your so life. Many, so yeah. I know. Um, but it was face-to-face, mm-hmm. and I accomplished a lot more in that in those meetings because I saw numerous people that I needed to talk to and connect with on projects, you know, than I ever could have done in, in a, I don't know, 10 Zoom meetings. So I think I think that's one of the, the I hope, one of the greatest lessons from the pandemic that face-to-face still really matters. Yeah, and I think it's about accessing the best of both, but not over-indexing on the virtual stuff because there's still value to being in the same room with other people and learning from them. And honestly, all all the divide that we're having in our country right now over so many issues, I think is a lot of times due to the fact that we're not face-to-face. 100%. Yep. And 100%. so if we could just get back to people being people and having conversations and saying, yeah, I may not agree with everything you say, but you're still a person. All right. It's all good. And yeah. But we're, we're not there yet. Well, and I think that's an opportunity in a city the size of Fort Wayne because you have enough people that you're going to run into people you disagree with. Absolutely. But... Um, you have to put yourself out there and you have to be willing to and you have the opportunity. And I think there's some accountability in being more of a decent person than you are online because yes. chances are you're going to run into these people over and over again. Right. That's true. But it's also really hard to look at somebody and and not also then learn and take into account why sometimes they may make decisions that you don't agree mm-hmm. with, be it their background and the way they were raised or their religious beliefs or the work situation or their mother's sick today or whatever it is. Or their experiences. Right. Yeah, just how what they grew up with and how they grew up. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're missing a lot of that. So I hope people can get back to that in some form. Yeah, well, it sounds like you are doing a lot of work that is helping people do that. So Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So to recap, welcomingfw.org. .org for the Diversity Awards. And then sjchf.org. That's right, for Father Boyle. All right. Excellent. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. We will be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then.